Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're talking about all the topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can be lonely and isolating, which is another reason why we're here to help moms like you know that you're not alone. Now, it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor or healthcare provider with any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about all things pregnancy and life as a mom. So let's have a chat. Hello and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. On this week's episode, Katie and I are talking about her struggles with infertility. Welcome, Katie. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I'm good. So today is a bit of a heavier topic than what we have been doing recently. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about your your struggles with infertility because you had problems getting pregnant with the first go around with Freya. yeah yeah so um yeah so I've had a bit of a struggle with getting pregnant so I guess it goes back to when I was a teen I was never I never had regular menstrual cycles at all I was very irregular I could go six months eight months I think once I went a year in between periods and what? I didn't really yeah <laughs> yeah a I, year yeah it, and it didn't even phase me well, I guess I didn't do anything about it. I didn't know that that wasn't normal. I don't know. Like I was young. I didn't really. And then um, when I was probably about seven, no, I was about eight. I was 18, 17, 18. Um, I ended up, my family doctor referred me to an OB and she put me on birth control to caught like to get my cycle going. And so I was mm-hmm. on birth control for a long time. Um, for probably, I don't know, I was 25 probably until I got off it. 26. Mm-hmm. I was 26 when I got off it. So, uh, a good chunk of years I was on birth control and my period was like clockwork, of course, cause I took the pill and it was great. Or like it was nice knowing when I had a period. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> wasn't great. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, and then I, uh, after I got married, and we had kind of, I finally said like, you know, I think we should start trying. I want to, and we had decided, yeah, like we're gonna start trying, and but not knowing what my with my history, how long it would take, we were gonna just like see how it goes, and so we went. I went off it, and then I cl- kind of cleared out my system. Didn't really do anything with it. I ended up getting pregnant in the fall of uh, 2014. And then at the end of October 2014, I went for an ultrasound, a dating ultrasound, and they didn't find a heartbeat. So I had miscarried that, but my body had not removed that pregnancy. So my doctor wanted me to uh, just see if my body would get rid of it. And it didn't, so I ended up having to take some medication to cause that um, to happen in November of 2014. 
Um, and then after that, my cycle never came back. Uh, it was weird. I never got a period again. And I just kept saying to my doctor, something's not right. Something's not right. Like I should have my period and it's not coming. And then finally into January of 2015, they, she was like, whatever, just go have an ultrasound. She was very dismissive and not a great doctor. Um, and she's no longer my doctor, but uh, so she sent me for an ultrasound. The tech there was like, oh yeah, like you have, you have uh, cysts on your ovaries. And oh. then I didn't, wow. I didn't know what she was talking about, but they kept sending. So between November, having my miscarriage and January, uh, I think I had about four ultrasounds because they were checking to see if every, if I had passed every, all the uh, material and they kept sending me back. And then finally in January, I was told that I had cysts on my ovaries. Well, now why did it take so long to find out that? I have no idea. And you know what? This doctor just left it in a voicemail message to confirm it, said, you have uh, cysts on your ovaries. It is polycystic ovarian syndrome. It results in obesity and infertility. You have a referral date to uh, OB in April. And that was the last I heard. So, yeah. (laughs) Good bedside manner. (laughs) Yeah, horrible. Um, I was at work on my lunch period at school that day. And I was trying. And and so I waited for April. And then I got to this OB. And he said, yeah, you have PCOS. Uh, We're going to start you on Clomid because you're not a candidate for metformin. So there are two types of um, medication that they tend to give to women um, with PCOS who are struggling with infertility. Uh, metformin has to do with the, it also regulates type 2 diabetes. It has to do with the insulin resistance that goes along with PCOS, which I did not mm-hmm. have. Um, my, the OB, he said, you don't have all the markers for PCOS, but we're going to give you that classification anyways because you have cysts. Um, But cysts and irregular periods were really my only markers for it. So I didn't really qualify, classify as it, but they went with it anyways. He said, so we're going to start you on Clomid. And Clomid is a medication to promote um, ovulation because you you can have a period and not ovulate. So he thought maybe that was my problem, that I wasn't ovulating. So I did five rounds of Clomid and it's just a pill. So you take it every day. It's kind of like the pill. It's just a pill you take and it causes your um, follicles in your ovaries to grow re- and then release an egg and which is your ovulation. So I did so no that. needles or anything, just nice and easy. Yeah. I was really lucky. I didn't have to do needles with that. So mm-hmm. I did um, in total five months of Clomed. And after four months, he was like, I don't know why this is not working for you. Like this should have worked you for you first round. Like I let's just do, you can do another month and I'm going to refer you to a fertility clinic. Mm -hmm. So I did the fifth month, nothing happened. And in this time as well, in this five months, we had also kind of explored um, male infertility and had Peter's uh, semen tested oh, as well yep. to see if maybe that was the issue and mm-hmm. his his sperm his sperm count and numbers and mobility or motility whatever the word is for it um, came back fine mm-hmm. um, 
So it was not his, it was not male infertility. It was female for, it was female infertility. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did the fifth round, nothing happened. And then I waited for the referral to the fertility clinic. So that my last round of Clomed was in August and I made it to, I think our appointment intake appointment at the fertility clinic was October of 2015. Um, so we got there and then, um, the doctor there kind of explores some different avenues, does a lot of interviewing, did a whole bunch of testing and said, yeah, like we're classifying you as infertile. It could have a connection with, um, because I was not classified prior when I was younger, um, in my teens, I struggled with, um, an eating disorder. So that could have been the result, could have been the cause of this infertility, the doctor said, but because I was not active in my eating disorder, um, he wasn't classifying it as a direct result. Um, what do you mean by not active? So I was not, I was in a healthy state. I wasn't okay. in any yeah. You weren't way. hospitalized or... No, and I never was in my eating disorder um, when I, even at the height of it. Um, mm -hmm. I was at one point told by a doctor that I was... I was classified as a anorexic bulimic, but I, because I'm a curvier woman, mm -hmm. I and I'm tall, I carry well weight and I hide weight really well. Um, so I was thin, really thin, but I was not someone that you look at and say, okay, that, that, per, that girl does not speed her, Like she doesn't eat. And, mm -hmm. um, so I was considered bored. I kind of had tendencies of both. And, um, so he classified me as not active. So he stuck with the PCOS uh, diagnosis. And then um, about in November of 2014, uh, we started to do a monitoring. He was like, let's just do a monitoring, uh, classified it as a unmedicated IUI. So interuterine insemination where, so I wasn't getting any medication. It was just purely monitoring and mm. well so that monitoring uh was every two days i would go to the fertility clinic for my daily my poke and probe as i called it yeah. so um before i go to work i would go and i would have a blood test and then i would have an internal ultrasound to really every day every two days yeah poke and probe jeez okay yeah. so i'd blood work done every two days. And then I'd have an internal where they would be looking for, they would measure my follicles to see how they were growing and they would track the growth to try and tell me pinpoint wow. when we could do the insemination. Yeah. And then, um, so that was all of November every two days. And then, uh, December, it was the beginning of December, 2014 or 2015. Sorry. So I had passed the year mark of having since having my miscarriage and there was still nothing and then they told me in the beginning of beginning I for some reason I want to say like December 9th stands out essentially said your follicles aren't growing there's nothing that we can do it's getting too close to Christmas we close for two weeks um, so we're not going to start you on medication, we'll just have to wait until the, until the new year. Like, sorry, you're kind of out of luck. Wait until January when we open up again. 
And which, that was, is, which is saddening because you've gone through all of this. Yeah, it was right. really, yeah, it was really frustrating and really disappointing and really disheartening as well because I had worked myself up. So like from October to December, I had been, you know, like, okay, like, let's go, let's go. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And it finally felt like when I was doing this, the monitoring every two days, I would go and it was like, okay, I'm doing something. Something is happening. And then every two days I'd find out now, like you're not, your follicles are not growing enough to suggest to make a release. They're just mm. too small. So I kind of just gave up and cause it was like, okay, it's Christmas. There's nothing we can do. So. Well, and at the time you had some news about Peter's dad too. That year Peter's dad um, had a brain tumor and then had emergency brain surgery to remove the brain tumor. So that was like thrown into a whirlwind as well. I yeah, chaotic time. A very rare brain tumor. And so, yeah, that was a really crazy time. And so our fertility struggles really did just kind of take a back burner. But yeah, so we made it through Christmas. And then um, January, it was like, okay, you know, after New Year's, like, I'll call, we set up. We went for an appointment, or I went for an appointment, blood test, and tracked, and did another ultrasound. No, I didn't do an ultrasound. I did a blood test, and then I got a phone call from the clinic at school, and the nurse said, um, nothing's happening, like there's nothing going on, and so that was on the beginning of the week, and then by the Friday, I got a phone call from another blood work I had gotten my blood work done again because they were trying to figure out when I would be ovulating. And the nurse said, no, you just ovulated or you ovulated within the last week. So we're not, we can't do anything. It was a Friday. I remember it was a Friday. And she said, no, like you ovulated. And I was so mad because Peter was on nights that week. We had not seen each other. So we, but cause he didn't get home until like close to three, three o'clock in the morning. And, um, so we weren't having sex prior to that. Like we didn't have sex that week. Um, prior to that, like when we were trying, yeah, actively trying, when he was on nights, he would come home, I would wake up, we would have sex, and then I'd go back, like we would go to sleep because it was, yeah. it was you know, it, we were in the motions of like, we need to try, we're not missing this window, we have yeah. to do it. And so like that, that was, you know, in the spring and the summer of that, that's what, what we were doing. It was just like, we got to go, 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 go. Mm -hmm. Makes um, sense. Yeah. Which so yeah. many couples do. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I was, I was so mad. I was like, how is this possible that I was told in the beginning of the week that I was not ovulating. There was nowhere near ovulating. And now you're told, telling me that I already ovulated. Like now I've missed my window. I was at school again. I was crying. And at that point I had met, um, at that school, <laughs> there was another woman who was at the same fertility clinic and mm. we ra we randomly ran into each other on one of our poke and probe mornings. We were both sitting in the, like I walked in or she walked in to uh, the waiting room waiting for our turn. And we looked at each other and we're just like, Hey, like, what are you doing here? Not knowing that we were both there prior to that. So it was able, it was nice to be able to talk to someone. So I was able to vent to her the nurse had told me, come in tomorrow on Saturday. We're going to do another blood work, see what's going on, why you're getting mixed results. Like we don't understand. So I went in the next day. It was Saturday. 
And I was actually hosting my aunt's uh, bridal shower that night at my house. So my other, my other aunt was here, uh, Peter and my, uh, my mom were there and we were helping getting everything ready and we were like cleaning the house and we were making tons and tons of hors d'oeuvres and everything because it was a cocktail party. And I left to go do my blood work. I came back, we were doing it. And then about 1140 um, that morning, I got a phone call from the clinic and the nurse is talking to me and she says, so we have your blood work back and it's saying that you're pregnant. And I was shocked to say the least. I was stunned. I literally was like, shut up. I was like, you have to be kidding me. And her exact words were, I never kid about this. This is what, like, this is my, this <laughs> is my job. I yeah. never kid about this. You are pregnant. And I, and, and I was like, no, that's not possible. Not possible. And I had come upstairs to take the phone call and Peter had kind of followed me up and my aunt, mom and my aunt were hovering in the hallway and they were like, Oh my God, what's wrong? Are you okay? And I was just in so much shock that I was just like, she says I'm pregnant. and. So like we were in shock about that. <laughs> so not just Peter, but your mom and your aunt all found out at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty funny. Yeah. And she was, I was like, how is this possible? She's like, I don't know because their blood work is so mixed up, but come in on Monday. We're going to do it another one just to make sure. And sure enough, I was pregnant. I was very, so, very but is that pregnant. Why you were getting like kind of mixed results earlier? I like guess you, it must have been. I have yeah. no idea. Huh. Yeah, I have no idea. But it was a long haul to get to where, like, to finding out that I was pregnant. And that was, and that pregnancy was Freya. Yeah, so it was, it was up and down. But yeah, I was totally shocked. We were completely blindsided by this, preg by getting pregnant with Freya um, because we were, expecting to have to do an IUI and and moving you weren't that. actively trying per se because you weren't taking anything you'd no. been off of it for over a month we had been I had been well I wasn't taking anything I hadn't taken anything since August I had stopped taking things but then August. oh sorry but then all the other stuff had ended in December yeah, all the yeah. monitoring and the blood work and the uh, internal ultrasounds had all stopped at the beginning of December because they said, you're not growing, you won't grow, there's nothing that we can do for you, your follicles are essentially just duds, um, see you in the new year when we start. <laughs> your, fall, your, fallers, your follicles were like, I'm going to show you yeah. duds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so they... Uh, yeah, so we had completely given up. And like you said, that Peter's dad had that really bad medical crisis. We, everything had kind of taken a burner, so we'd given up. And we're like, guess we'll just start trying again in January. And in that time of giving up, I think, I think we needed to give up to get pregnant, to be honest, because it took all the stress away and the focus of getting pregnant, it took that all away because I was told that I can't. Yeah, that's, that was our journey. That is, it's kind of incredible how the moment you're like, okay, I'm just going to take a little break. You get yeah. pregnant, right? Yeah. And then like, so even in that journey of, you know, going to the OP, OB, getting on Clomid and going to uh, the fertility clinic, on top of that, all that stuff, I was, I started seeing a naturopathic doctor trying 
acupuncture with a focus on infertility. Mm -hmm. The naturopathic doctor was specialized in infertility. And so I was taking all these really weird herbs and um, doing acupuncture once a week. And, um, and then I also, after and my, so did you stop all that stuff in December as well? Or did you keep up the acupuncture, acupuncture and the I, herbs? I had stopped that. I had, okay. I so had you stopped everything. Um, I actually had stopped the acupuncture and the naturopathic doctor um, when I went to the fertility clinic because okay. they kind of didn't mesh. Mm-hmm. Um, the, for the naturopathic doctor was kind of insinuating that it was too early for me to go. I should keep trying with that doctor, uh, or that, per- that doctor to keep go the natural route. Um, I should try a lot more, give my body a chance to naturally do it. But in my head, I was like, I've been trying for a year and nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. I can um, understand that. And so I had stopped that as well. Um, and it was like a 40 minute drive to get to that, nat- that naturopathic doctor. Oh, so, so it wasn't someone in town. Like no, in it wasn't. Here. It wasn't local. Um, I was, it was high. This person was highly recommended by a couple of people that I had talked to specialized in infertility. So I went there and then, so I did the naturopath, I did acupuncture and then I was, had also given up sh- eating sugar. Um, mm-hmm. I had stopped eating sugar in January of 2015, end of January, actually. My, my stopping sugar date is February 2nd, 2015, to be exact. Oh. Um, that's my anniversary. And oh, congratulations I'm, I'm, on five years. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, because I haven't gone back. And yeah. so I had, in that time, I had given up sugar um, and on all those other routes as well as a way to try and get pregnant. And then the the giving up sugar, I will say, was only supposed to be an eight-week cleanse. It was Mm -hmm. just supposed to be an eight-week window, um, but I loved how how great I felt. So that's why I kept going. It's not some, and it wasn't targeted for infertility. It Mm -hmm. wasn't targeted for that reason. I just felt like I needed a cleanse because after my miscarriage, I didn't, I really struggled emotionally. And I, I, I think now I was in a bit of a depression, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then getting that diagnosis of PCOS threw me That's for a lot loop. all at the same time, right? Yeah. And it threw me for a loop because of the symptoms and what happens with PCOS. So I was like, I'm going to do everything I can to not have what happened happens. And because they say, you know, like one of the, some of the symptoms are to, is obesity and inability to lose weight, which I don't have. I can lose weight. Like I had an eating disorder. I did. I was pretty successful at my eating disorder when I, at the height of it. And um, like I joke about it now because, but yeah. but like it's not something to joke about. But um, yeah. so like I can and I still can lose weight, but it's not my focus. And so I was walking through the bookstore one day. And I just saw this book and it said, I quit sugar eight weeks, eight week cleanse. And I was like, oh, this is easy. And so that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it suited my lifestyle change. Like I made a change and I really enjoyed it and I'm happy. So that's why I continued. But it was not specifically targeted for infertility. I will say that. Um, but I was trying a lot, a lot of stuff to get pregnant. And ultimately what I had to do was just give up. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, so what did you, 
find hardest about your struggle? Um, well, there was a lot that was hard. Um, because you're constantly having these ups and downs and am I pregnant? Am I not pregnant? Like, yeah. Um, and then there's the, there's the physical toll. And I was really lucky because I did not have to do injections. I didn't get that far, um, having to do that stuff. So I was not doing injections and, and, you know, Clomid is not a great drug. Um, and mm. there's been a lot of information that's come out. I don't know the, how much it's prescribed now because of, I think there's some connections to other diseases connected to it. It's not, it's a very harsh drug, I think. Um, and from what I've heard and so there's the physical toll, there's the emotional toll for me between having my miscarriage and finding out I was pregnant was, um, 14 months mm-hmm. or just under 14 months. And, um, I had 38 friends get pregnant and announce their oh, pregnancies. That's hard. Yeah. Um, I did, to be honest, I didn't think I knew 38 people. Um, I didn't think I had that many, like I have a close circle of friends and I do. Um, but I'm not one of those people that like, you know, has, a, I didn't think I had a wide circle, but Facebook told me otherwise. And I had 38, I knew 38 people that announced their pregnancies. And that was really, really hard. Um, mm-hmm. because on the one hand, I, I was so jealous of what they were having um, because that's what I wanted more, more than anything in the world was to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so that was really hard because my, my gut reaction was jealousy. And then my sec, after a second of that jealousy, my inside was telling, my brain was saying, snap out of it. Like you're a terrible person for feeling jealous. They're your friend. You need to be happy for them. So then I felt guilty on top of feeling jealous. And I was beating myself up for having that reaction because I was so envious of what they had. And, you know, jealousy and envy are such negative emotions. And, but that's where I was. But then I was beating myself up because I was like, no, you need to be happy for them. That this is a great thing for them. So I really struggled with that too, because then I, in my head, I'm telling myself that I'm a bad, I'm a bad friend for feeling that way. But I think that's a really natural thing to feel is when you're trying so hard to get something that is the one thing you want in this world. And it's, it seems that it comes and then all you see all everywhere. And when you can't have something, you see it everywhere. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's, it was just kind of like, it's everywhere. I can't escape it. And that was, that well, was, and, that was and hard. When you want something, something, and it was something that was natural, right? Like having a family is kind of like a natural desire. It's not like you were like, oh, I want that fancy car my friend has. So it was like a natural jealousy. It makes mm. perfect sense. Yeah. And then I think too, there was a piece of being a teacher. I, and I tend to work, I like working in lower income schools and more challenging schools because I can make a bigger impact. And at the time that's where I was. And, and, you know, I see my kids and I say my kids as my students, but I see them come in from, and they have really hard situations at home. And I'm like, why 
would somebody put their child through this? Mm. You know, there was that other piece too that I was really struggling with. Like, you know, these kids are amazing kids and they're going through things that nobody should go through. And as a wannabe parent, looking at a parent who is putting their kids in that position, like yeah. how, why, why is that happening? And why can't I have my kid? Because I would never do this to my child. And I'm not talking about like putting my kid in front of TV. Like I'm talking really serious, major issues. Oh, um, yeah. And so that was hard too. It was just, I think the whole thing was hard. I can't pinpoint one thing that was the hardest because there's a physical toll. There's the emotional toll. Um, I was also really lucky that I financially, yes, I spent some money, but I did not spend the tens of thousands of dollars that it costs to mm. do some fertility treatments that some people go through. I was really lucky in that way. You know, I, I did spend a little bit of money here and there, but nowhere near what people with, who go through IVF have to spend. Yeah. It's very expensive. Yeah. It, yeah. So, you know, um, I, I can't say what's the hardest because there's a lot of aspects that was hard. Well, just the whole fact that you're struggling with infertility is hard, right? Like yeah. the start of that journey to get pregnant is hard. Yeah. So, and then throw you. in a miscarriage in there too, right? Like, and that's a whole nother world of, of, yeah. of suffering in that too. Well, thank you for sharing your story. And um, I'm sure other people can relate to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and if there's uh, people going through this right now, hopefully it brings them some comfort knowing that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you for listening to this episode of That Pregnancy Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an upcoming show, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Best Life Moms Club. Until next time.